Episode 29 of, of Pods in the key of, of Springfield. Pods in the key of Hans Sprungfield. <laughs> Murderous pirate. All right, so um, today this is, our, uh, this is our Simpsons podcast. We're both slightly hungover, so our energies, you know, we'll get in sync. <laughs> It'd be like that terrible movie Pacific Rim that everyone likes except me, so I shouldn't be calling terrible on our podcast. Uh, Did they get in sync? Is that why? What? Yeah, NSYNC was in that movie. Uh, really? I, in Pacific Rim? Uh, I mean, they weren't, but in, that's kind of the riff I was going to... Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Man, you know that making movie references is... You're already skating on thin ice. And now you're making movie references to things that didn't happen in the movie. NSYNC were also in the movie Skating on Thin Ice, which is a much better movie. It's about NSYNC... Uh, they basically they're the american winter olympics ice skating team one of the events the winter olympics will be over by the time this podcast comes out (laughs) yes it will (laughs) um it'll be a full four years away is there a team skating event (laughs) well uh there was there there was in this movie skating on thin ice is there an event the the actual name of the movie was in reference to the fact that it wasn't traditionally a team so assembling the team at all was considered to be skating on thin ice right yeah okay weird film season uh, today we're looking at season three episode 16 bart the lover and season three episode 17 homer et the bet so avid fans of this podcast and uh, there aren't many of them but there are some avid fans will know that one thing i like to do when uh, when i'm watching an episode and it's really good is that Halfway through the episode, I will write next to the name of the episode, this episode's really good, this episode fucking rules, something like that. I've done that on Bart the Lover. This is an episode that mm. I enjoyed more than I expected to, despite assuming I would enjoy it a great deal. Mm. This episode is very solid. It is a very strong episode, and there are a couple of times where you and I had those great moments of, oh shit, this is in this episode too. Yeah. It is a very stacked episode. It turns out that every Simpsons meme, apart from Aurora Borealis, comes from this episode. Almost entirely, yes. Yes. And at one point, uh, you know, they do wonder whether Aurora Borealis could possibly exist within Skinner's Kitchen, but it's the less famous version of that scene. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about this episode, Bart the Lover, in which Bart is the lover. So it starts with the... Uh, educational film about what a world would be like without zinc in it. Yep, which is oh the best thing that has ever happened. God, what a gem! Yes, it is an absolute work of art. Huh, I love the the voice acting in that scene has always stuck with me, and I feel like if I wasn't slightly hungover, I would try to do the zinc guy, the shaky voice. Yeah, come back, zinc. Yeah, that was alright. But the uh, my favourite bit is when he's waking up from the dream, just lying in bed saying, Zink! Over and over again. That's yes, good. That's good that's, material. That's very good. So, um, yep, it's a good video. Escalates to suicide very quickly. Mm. Reminds me of those, you know, nice rainy school days where the teacher would just show you a video because they couldn't be fucked doing anything else. Yes. As a teacher myself, university teacher, so it's a bit different, but I can tell you anytime you can find an excuse to use a video, it's real good. Yeah. It's a lovely excuse to just not do anything for a moment. Do videos come up often in in the courses that you teach? If I'm doing a lecture quite often, I'll try to work in some video content in there. Sure. Just so it's not just me yelling at them for an hour. And then do you do that thing that seemingly all teachers do, which is like embed a video into a slideshow presentation and then be completely unable to fathom how to make the video play no i'm uh, i just load them up separately before the class so i can just tab into that window and play them it's almost like you're not an idiot i mean it's almost like that but unfortunately i am an idiot <laughs> at un- the end of the day it's unfortunate which has actually made it very hard to be a teacher i've got to say it's not just at the end of the day <laughs> there are solid <laughs> chunks of the day throughout in which no that seems i wake up harsh. stupid yes <laughs> I, I take that back um i want to know 
oh, is this jumping too far ahead? I don't know. When we see Edna driving home after a shitty day at school and, and mm. the car starts making horrible noises, so she pulls into a service station, guy licks his finger, bingo, bingo, sugar in the gas tank, ex-husband strikes again. Uh, a line that I use all the time. All the time. Yeah. How often is old mate um, taste testing the petrol? <laughs> like, is that his... Like, his go-to is, move to is that his, wrong. his modus operandi. Anyone comes in saying, my car's making weird noises. He's like, well, I'd better taste the petrol. Is um, the implication that Edna Krapopol's husband so frequently sugars the gas tank that this uh, guy just knows to check her gas? Oh, that's an interesting point. Maybe, yeah, he's... Yeah, is she a regular for this one issue? And is this guy getting very sick from doing this? Also, are American... The, the the I'm I'm trying to think of how you would open someone's petrol tank without having the keys to the car. Because petrol tanks tend to have a little lever that you pull on the inside of the car to pop them open. Uh, not always though. Sometimes they'll just pop right open, especially on older models of car. I guess so. Which this inherently would be since the episode came out in the early nineties. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Mm, that's strange. Oh. I've just wanted a plate of half-finished food on the table <laughs> over there. <laughs> wow. Um, right. Adding a bit of extra flavor to the podcast by adding, just describing the room we're in. Adding a bit of extra squalor to my life. <laughs> uh, so Edna Fuck. picks up an issue of Springfield Magazine, a very unoriginal name for a magazine. They've got an interview of J.D. Salinger in there, which I found amusing. Oh, author of Catcher, Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, famous recluse, J.D. Salinger. Oh, so is that, is that the joke there? Yeah. That this which, tiny magazine would have yeah, an interview with a world which famous... Which I never picked up on before, you no. know. These little, little things peppered nice, in. That's nice. Good one you caught that. Yeah. In the... Oh, ha, ha, Nick. Yeah, man. If you're going to make a joke that funny, you need to let me know beforehand. <laughs> Fuck. So I can, you know, can not you... ruin the recording with my raucous laughter. Can you imagine what a pompous fuck I would be <laughs> if I started calling the shots on my joke? Just like, hey, James, you may want to turn away from the yeah, microphone. Just so you know. This one's going to be a belter. You're going to fucking cack yourself over this oh, one. It's a phrase I haven't heard for a long time. Fucking? No, cack. <laughs> I really wanted you to say you're going to cack your dax, a phrase I haven't heard possibly ever. <laughs> no, I've heard it, but not for a long time. Um, I'm going to cross out my zinc note and my taste testing petrol note. And your line, cack your dax. Cross cack, it out. Cack the dax. Something I find very interesting in this episode that happens early on. Sure. When the Twirl King performers arrive. Twirl King. At the school. yo They hand everyone twirls. Uh, the... Twirl King yo-yo thing. Sure. So these people, they come, they perform yo-yo tricks, and then the kids are very into yo-yos. Now, we went to the same school. We did. This is a thing that happened at our school every few years. People would arrive and just show off yo-yo tricks, and then you'd be able to buy yo-yos at the school. Yo-yos were this weirdly huge part I, I remember of our schooling. <laughs> In in primary school, which I wasn't the same one as you for the first bit, but yeah. in primary school and in high school, there were yo-yo phases. Yes. I do not remember being greeted by a touring yo-yo company. <laughs> it happened. By a company of touring yo-yoists. It might have been because, uh, I think it was mostly prep school before you came to the school. Right. But this was genuinely a thing. There would be people who would come to the school... They would do like a performance with yo-yos. Right. And then the school would be briefly overcome by this yo-yo craze. Yeah. And I, it makes me wonder, is this based on something real? What happens in the episode? Or is this just a weird coincidence? And also, why the fuck was that a part of our education that occasionally, very specifically, yo-yo marketers would come to the school, mm. convince us to buy yo-yos en masse, and then fuck off again? And for like three weeks... Everyone would be all about yo-yos. Were they, uh, like... Because I honestly have no recollection of this. Were, were they specific branded? Like, was that the Duncan-designed yo-yo team? I feel like Duncan remember? was maybe involved in this, but then, you know, there'd be, like, the Brain yo-yo. I remember it was the big one, but it cost, like, $25. People brain. would go out and buy the Brain. Is that the one that lit up? I think so. It was, like, yeah, a fancier right. yo-yo. 
Yeah, it was a yo-yo that people were very into. Did, did you ever get into, on a related note, did you ever get into the Yoho Diablo? I never got into it, but I was aware of it. Are you aware of it? Yeah, it was like the thing that looked like... Because Duncan were the ones that came out and revolutionised it with like the, the, the conical kind of design. Yeah, the moose. I think that was like their logo and their... Oh, um, yes, yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because most yo-yos kind of look like a vertical burger. And then the Duncan <laughs> vertical burger. Yeah, uh, welcome to vertical burger. Um, can I take your the order? most extreme burgers? Uh, and then Duncan came along with their yeah their dual cone shaped things, um, and then the Yoho Diablo. I remember it as being like an enormous Duncan th- yo-yo, and you had two sticks and a bit of string, and you would mm. toss it and do something. Yeah, I never really got into it. Yoho Diablo is a wild name for a product aimed at children yeah, as well. Right. It's an amazing thing. It's basically, oh shit, it's the devil. Would be the <laughs> literal translation. Literal translation. But I remember being oh. in year seven sure. and uh, the yo-yo craze came through again. And I remember thinking, okay, I see the pattern here now. Every two years, these yo-yo people come mm. and everyone gets real into yo-yos and then the, it dies off. I'm not going to do it this time. Oh, I'm not going to be part of this, you this fucking out. system. Interesting. Didn't buy yo-yo. I feel like it died out faster that year. Maybe because we were older and more cynical, you know. Possibly. Already the world was beating us down, you know. Like, good things would happen sometimes. Like, say you'd write it like a letter to, like, the Simpsons comic, and it would get published, and it would pop up in there. And things like that were cool, but you're always aware that one day you would lose the comic, and it would be gone, and you wouldn't have any more. Like, already the realities of this harsh world were starting to set in. And I didn't see the magic in the yo-yo anymore. I don't see the magic in in the vertical burger yo-yo anymore because sometimes, like, you buy a like a a show bag, like a Coca-Cola show bag. Is mm. a show bag an American? Like is that because I, I you know go to they... like a carnival and there's like bags you can buy that are full of goodies basically. Sure. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Cool. Uh, it's also um, an insult that I like but have never had the opportunity to use. Mm. If someone's shiny on the outside but you suspect they're full of shit, refer to them as a show bag. <laughs> I really like that. That is good. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, if you get a Coca-Cola show bag and you get like the shitty backpack and you get like two cans of Coke, but then they'll forty dollars. Yes. Th- they'll include a yo-yo. A branded Coca-Cola yo-yo. But yeah, it'll Coke be, branded yo-yos used to be a huge thing. Used to be a huge thing, but yeah. they're the shitty vertical burger ones. Yeah. And I just don't get, in a post-Duncan designed conical yo-yo world, I don't get the appeal of the vertical burger yo-yos. Tell you what, though, I would love a vertical burger right now. Really? Yeah. I have a feeling that it would be difficult to eat. Yeah, I suppose so. But you could just flip it around. What, make it a horizontal burger? Yeah. Get fucked. <laughs> You're right. So there's um the sound effects in this episode are amazing. Oh, sorry, I've I've got one more thing I wanted to say about people coming to schools to to, to do things. <laughs> okay, good. Do you to remember do things? <laughs> to, yeah. How vague is this gonna be? <laughs> Pretty vague. No. Um. So on the topic of people coming and doing like demonstrations or whatever. Yeah. Do you remember when we were in high school? There was an assembly where some guy that was really into canoes, came and gave, like, a presentation on canoes. I don't remember that at all. This is my favourite thing. Because, so, I I don't know if he'd, like, set a record or if he'd done something or if it was just some guy. Paddling the school canoe? Is that a paddling? That was hugely into canoes. Um, But I remember at one point he played, like... A slideshow up on the projector of his photographs of some canoeing trip with a song in the background that was like, Give me a canoe and let me go. And every now and then I think about that and laugh because it's maybe the most absurd thing I've ever sat and watched. Man. That's weird. I, f- I guess like running a school is a lot like running a like a TV station. Sometimes you just need to program some filler in that. <laughs> Do you also remember there was a year when I think it was maybe in the week before Easter we had like a a guest preacher that came in and yes, I remember that guy. That guy was a maniac. And we had five days in a row of whole school assemblies where this guy was giving Jesus speeches. And then at the end of every one of his sermons, he would play Arms Wide Open by Creed. <laughs> and we had to sit there and listen to it for five fucking days. Creed, Ryan Coogler's best film, but not a great band. I do remember 
he made his own music as well. I remember he came in once and he was playing these like bongo drums. I see a song that went, God said to Noah, I've I got, got a plan. I've got, got a plan, plan for you, man. man. Yep. Oh, fuck. We both remember that. Yep. That uh, was that was a truly bizarre shit. week of our lives. It's got little to do with The Simpsons, but I feel like it's worth talking about anyway. Sure. <laughs> um, so there's an amazing scene where Marge asks Homer who has become famous yes. by doing yo-yo tricks. And Homer... This fucked us up. We, we hear Homer's internal monologue. And he the, the, the three persons that he scans in his head are Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Arnold Palmer, Arnold Palmer, and Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Now, obviously, the indiscretions of two of those three are well known. Yes. Um, to be clear, Bill Cosby and Donald Trump, who we can't even pretend is a, yeah. a reasonable, normal person. Exactly. And so I did a quick bit of digging on Arnold Palmer. Not only is he regarded as one of golf's greatest golfers, yes. he's also regarded as one of American sports' nicest people, and he has a hospital for children that's named <laughs> after him. Oh, wow. I feel like Arnold Palmer's pretty unreproachable in that group of three. Yeah, because what I said to you is, uh, look into Arnold Palmer, and if you don't find anything, that means he's hiding something, surely. Which I like. Mm. And look, maybe... It's weird because like Bill Cosby... I guess back then nobody knew really what was going on. Sure. Donald Trump, though, has always been a piece of shit. Yeah, right? Like, there was never any question of whether Donald Trump sucked. Mm. So, interesting group of three. Mm. Uh, maybe Arnold Palmer's compensating for something with the hospital for children and the general all-around <laughs> nice guyness. But, I don't know, I feel yeah, like... Maybe the fact that he's done and achieved more good than we could ever hope to achieve in, like, three lifetimes. Yeah. It's just covering up for something. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. So, I don't know, I thought that was an interesting group of three. <laughs> it's a very interesting group. But, eventually, destroys a fishbowl... With his trick that he calls plucking the pickle. Plucking the pickle. One of the early uh, overt Simpsons masturbation jokes they sort of get away with. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, plucking that pickle. Yeah, I, so I, I had nowhere else to go on that. <laughs> so, uh, look, I got, I got a question for you about something that happens in this episode. So, of course, uh, the basic conceit of the episode is that Edna Krabappel... Puts a ad in the Springfield magazine saying, you know, I'm, I, I want to date a guy. Yep. Please date me. Because it used to be that dating was even more horrific than it is now. And you had to put an ad in a magazine. You can just use a thing on your phone that would, you know, help you get rejected by a lot of people. Sure. Uh, so I think that's the main difference is rejection used to take longer. Yeah. Or now, it used to be you could just sort of say, well, I guess just not that many people have seen this ad. As opposed to, oh no, I'm, you know, it's a, it's a, it's fairly clear that people just aren't that into me. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, Bart writes to her under the guise of being Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson. And in his letter, he includes the phrase, oh yes, and I really hate yo-yos. Yes. And when, when this happened, I pulled out my phone and I was going to go into my Tinder profile and add that line in oh. there. Do you think I should do that? Not only do I think you should yes. do that. Yes. But I also think that in a week or two, you need to report back as to whether or not you've been getting more hits. What I'm going to do is I'm going to add that line in right now. And as we record this podcast, I'm just going to casually swipe and see what happens. Shall we, shall we encourage listeners to put that line in their bio as well? Mm, I don't know if I need that competition. You know, it's already a pretty harsh scene out there. No, but we've got listeners from all around the world. We don't actually have that many in Adelaide as far as I know. That's true. Adelaide being our hometown, named after Queen Adelaide. Um, the person who gave her name to our hometown. I realise I knew nothing about Queen Adelaide, <laughs> despite despite launching into one. Um, you know, I, I would like that to become like a, a secret Tinder handshake to find other listeners of Pods in the Key of Springfield. Okay, Maybe so one day I'll be flying over America, not into it, no interest in visiting there, and I'll get some matches from, you know, the people on the ground. So the line is in there now. Oh, yes, and I really hate your yo's. Click done. Okay. Very good. Very. So just while recording, I'll be casually swiping. <laughs> very, very good. We'll see what happens. I think you should also make your last picture the picture of Gordie Howe <laughs> that Bart uses as as the stand-in for Woodrow Wilson. 
I mean, that seems faintly dishonest, but, you know, maybe I'll do it anyway. I mean, heaven forbid that an online dating profile would contain an element that was faintly dishonest. Some element of mistruth. (laughs) Or, you know, fiction. Also, I think there's... I mean, there's the kind of dishonesty that would actually be not particularly useful to have on a um, mm. an online dating profile and perhaps would be even a bad thing to have. But I don't think anyone's going to look at a cartoon clearly, like a frame of a cartoon clearly ripped out of The Simpsons and go, wait a minute, is that this guy? So, so far I've had no matches, but I have just gotten the little thing popping up informing me that I have existing likes that I now need to track down. Tinder oh. is a fucking nightmare. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Speaking of nightmare, I was out at a bar last night and someone ordered a snack platter. Okay. And I've just had like a sense memory wash over me and now I actually feel ill. <laughs> so on this snack platter, there was a... Oh, it's always a good start for a podcast to feel physically ill. <laughs> on this snack platter, there was a bowl of marinated mushrooms. And I really, really like mushrooms. And I'm okay with marinated yeah, mushrooms. Yeah, you like mushrooms almost as much as I hate yo-yos. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it was the, the little tiny, little tiny mushrooms marinated in some oil... But I had one, and mm. as soon as I put it into my mouth, I knew I was in trouble because it genuinely tasted like shit, basically. Sure. And uh, the resultant uh, smell left on my fingers was like th- um, <laughs> we-, we were all throwing around different um, ways of describing it, but we settled on. The rancid breath of an aging man. <laughs> an aging man? Yes. Okay. Yes, the rancid breath of a... Well, probably an old man. The rancid breath of an old man. Um, and the smell didn't leave. I literally got a slice of lemon out of a discarded drink, scrounged my <laughs> fingers into it, and it still wouldn't leave. Um, and then as we were leaving the bar, I went up to one of the bar guys and said, look, I'm, I don't want to cause a fuss, but those mushrooms legitimately were disgusting. Yeah. And he's like, oh no, but it's because they're marinated mushrooms. Like not everyone expects that. And I'm like, no, 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 But mate, you called the marinated mate, mushrooms. I'm throwing this. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, no, 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 dude, honestly, you need to stop serving those yeah, to these people. these are bad. Oh, that was so bad. And I'd forgotten about that until just now. And because I'm already feeling a little delicate this morning, remembering the smell on my fingers has made me feel quite unwell. So I look forward to listening, The Rapid Decline of Me. <laughs> That's the alternate name for this podcast, The Rapid Decline. Uh, did you remember going into this episode that is the one where Homer tries to build a doghouse? No, I did not remember that. It wasn't that a wonderful discovery for us? Yeah, this plotline fucking is great and i love it Mm. i love everything about it uh it's part of the ongoing like season three homer is a handyman sort of thing handyman yeah that disappears it's this and then the next episode he builds a bat uh because he becomes the bat man uh yeah he oh is that what it means yeah that's what batman's about but he builds a doghouse and meanwhile he's swearing a lot and the plot about him trying to avoid swearing is wonderful. Everything about it is excellent. I love this. I don't want any damn vegetables has become one of the like 15 <laughs> memes that this fucking episode spawned. Yes. Um, it's great. No, it is It is a very well stacked episode. Oh, because it also has one of my favorite lines that I almost always misquote I discovered today. Good. When Homer draws the plans for his doghouse and says... And this happy character here is the sun. Yes. Now, I've always quoted that as this happy smiling character here is the sun, but I'm wrong. Yeah. I need to delete the word smiling. It's from got my... a face. I don't know if it's smiling so much. It's like, uh, it's hard to read. Yeah. It's, it, it's quite an enigmatic Mona Lisa-like expression that the sun is wearing. Mm. And I also enjoy that Homer goes to the additional effort of explaining, it shines down on the doghouse. <laughs> I also enjoy that it's part of his design. I just enjoy this episode, actually. It's a fucking wonderful episode. I was laughing so hard. I find with this podcast, there are episodes that catch me off guard, and this is definitely one of them. Yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, like, towards the end of the episode, I start to genuinely think, is this the best written episode so far? Mm. Because not only is it really funny, but, like, the plot of this one really clicks. Yes. 
Yeah, and I like think... there's like an A plot, a B plot, a C plot. All of them great. Yeah, all of them working together quite well. Yeah, would you put this above? Hmm, because I know you love the writing in, and I'm starting to laugh now because I remember how much you enjoy it. Uh, the writing in the B plot where Homer gets the sugar. <laughs> um, is, is this on par with that? I mean, it doesn't have as many like astonishing monologues. Uh, yeah. As that one does, but in terms of like just an episode of television, because sometimes because of the lives we've lived, these episodes kind of blur together in our heads a little bit, sure. and you forget like how astonishing an individual episode can be when it just has like three or two amazing plots just running concurrently. And this one, this episode fucks. I like this episode a lot. Sure. Speaking of which. When they're talking about uh, Homer and Marge are talking about Homer swearing too much, mm. and Homer runs through like the list of situations in which it might be okay to swear. Sure. And he says, "What about when we snuggle?" And Marge thinks and says, mm, "That's okay. Mm. I love that so much. Yeah, <laughs> that is such a nice character moment." Mm. I don't know, I've got this, I just like it whenever they acknowledge that Homer and Marge have this, like, sex life that they can't really show on the show yeah. much. I think it's, uh, it's good. just adds this dimension to their marriage that's fucking cool in a show like this. Title it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It's a good show. Yeah. I like The Simpsons. Sure. Also, mm. all these scenes where Homer, it's implied that he's swearing and then it cuts between him about to swear and then putting the money in the swear jar. Yes. Little anecdote I remember from the audio commentary that I listened to like, you know, 25 years ago. All right, this will uh, be accurate and good. Yeah, uh, apparently in the studio that day when they were doing these lines, Dan Castellaneta just goes for it, just uh, swears a blue storm. Oh, sure. And, you know, obviously they're cutting before so the, that. The editing out, yeah. But apparently the day they were doing that in the studio, there were like some kids there who had won a competition to go on a studio, uh, like a studio tour. <laughs> and Dan Kesslinet is just cutting loose. <laughs> and there's these little kids wandering around. Just that's, uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's excellent. And I wish I could do it. And those kids grew up to be... Justin Roiland. But I, I, I don't know who... He's the creator of Rick and Morty. See, uh, it's not that good. That's why it wasn't uh, worth making. See, I saved you. I leapt on the grenade. Yeah. And well, now gonna, the listeners are going to hate me for well, my I, shit joke. I was going to think of someone better than that. You're like Woodrow Wilson? Well, yeah. Woodrow Wilson's better than most people. Maybe uh, some sort of like alternate dimension child who went back to his own dimension, made his own version of The Simpsons that was full of swears. I don't know. Seth MacFarlane. Oh, the family guy guy. Yeah. Mm. By the way, do you remember like 10 or 11 years ago, so like 2006, 2007, when it was really popular to have the opinion that, oh, actually Family Guy's so much better than The Simpsons. Yes, I fucking do. It was mm. even longer than that. It was like the early 2000s, people would uh, say, oh, Family Guy is like The Simpsons for adults. Mm. Remember, I remember that used to be like an acceptable opinion. To yeah, have. totally. Nowadays, if someone said that, you say, "Are you out of your fucking mind?" I mean, <laughs> that is the most ridiculous position to take on any issue mm. in the world. Yes, I mean it's not, but it's pretty bad. Yeah, and I I reckon there was probably a year or two where I held that opinion, and I really wish I hadn't. Mm. I feel bad about it. You know, it reminds me of that time that you were wrong about the TV show Family Guy. Yeah, and we we transition to a different scene. Oh, and then we go and then we yeah. go off to a cut scene yeah. for a nonsense. Which is basically joke. just the thing I said, except now it's yeah. on the screen. Yes. Yeah. Right. Have you got any more notes on Bart the Lover? I suspect you do. I have a lot actually. <laughs> uh what else have we got here? This is also the episode with the postcard with five dollars. Get out of here. Yep, good. Yep, but that's a card. But that won't quit. Yep, but that I would yes. Uh what else have I got here? Oh, there's a line late in the episode. I feel like um, maybe I'm doing more like this is really fucking good material in this episode than I usually would, but I love it. Love, love, love it. Mm -hmm. When Bart is going through like the other people at the school Edna could date and he asks about Seymour. And she says, let's just say his mommy won't let him out to play. Nice. That is such good character development. This episode fucks. I like it. Yes. It's very good. That's good. Written by John Vitti, who also wrote Cape Fear and a bunch of other episodes. Oh, yeah. The only, the only criticism I have of this episode, Bart the Lover, in which Bart becomes the lover, sure, 
is that the letter they write to Edna at the end is not very good. Yeah, it's... Um, I was thinking that too, actually. Hmm. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, it was always going to be a difficult landing to stick. Yeah. But I don't think they stick it. Yeah, I didn't um, make note exactly of what it said, but it was basically, uh, look, baby, i got to fuck off. Can't tell you what I'm up to. Uh, fuck you. I'll think about you whenever I hear wind. Sure. Bye-bye. Yep. Yeah. Not, not very good. No. Um, yeah. A bit of a cop-out, that letter. Yeah. But The Simpsons, good show. Yes. In my opinion. Well. And I know that's not like a popular opinion, but I think it's good. Um. You know what else is good? Yes. Homer at the bat. Homer at the bat. So before we really get into this episode, I see you've got a lot of notes there. (laughs) That's a fib. I see. Okay, before we get into this one, I want to propose that having watched Mr. Burns and what he does in this episode, I think that maybe we should start implementing something in our podcast where I can make like little motions towards you to indicate what's about to happen. So, for instance, if I tap my nose twice, this means that I want you to go on an extended riff about something completely unrelated to anything, (laughs) just something that has nothing to do with The Simpsons or even necessarily what we were discussing. (laughs) You're right. That would be out of character for me. (laughs) I do require direction for that. If I tug at my beard like so, it means that I'm about to bring up Twin Peaks. But I can undo this by licking my lips, okay? Okay, So that'll mean, you know, this means I'm about to bring it up. Uh, I'm about to talk about, like, you know, David Bowie or Jow Day or the Ed and Norma scene. You know, I'm going to bring up something. But if I start licking my lips, it means, actually, I'm not going to talk about Twin Peaks. Okay. Uh... If I start rolling my eyes, it's a sign that I have a theory about the omelette universe that has flipped in on itself that we haven't talked about in a little while, but it's definitely a part of the show. Yeah, we, that, we haven't talked about that for a while, actually. But if I start crying while I'm doing that, it means that I need you to bring it up. I need you to <laughs> okay. get the ball rolling, because I, I now, can't. I'm... How many times will you cry? <laughs> Is it not once, not twice, but thrice? One of my favorite lines from this episode? Strong possibility, yes. Okay, cool. If, uh, Just checking. Just checking. And if I get up, walk away and don't come back that means that i just need you to riff for a while until the episode ends okay all right thank you <laughs> thank you for making such a clear set of rules for me to follow yeah so just you need to remember all of those so repeat them back to me okay so you've got the one where you cry yep because you're gonna talk about nsync Yep, sure. Twin yep. twin sinks. Twin sorry. sinks, yes. Twin sinks. Yep. Yeah. When you got the his, you got the hers, you've got the ensuite bathroom. Yeah, that twin, was the sequel to uh, Skating on Thin Ice. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Um, so I'm gonna talk about something I enjoy. Uh, in the opening, <laughs> Something unrelated? In the no, no no no, in the opening scene where I was choking on a donut mm. and Lenny has there's a Heimlich maneuver poster yep. in which the uh, the demonstration of the Heimlich maneuver features a guy coughing up an entire lobster it does yeah i enjoy that i mean to me that's not the best way to eat lobster are you sure yeah personally i like to get the meat out of the lobster and just eat that controversial how do you eat your lobsters I don't eat lobster, actually. No? You don't like lobster? Or you just don't have an opinion on lobster? Uh, don't have an opinion. You um, don't strike me as a person who have an opinion on lobster. A lobsterman? No. Mm. For me, it's one of those things where um, uh, it became such a trope for high-class fancy food that I just decided to reject it because <laughs> because I, I like to consider myself as very punk on very, very <laughs> unimportant issues. <laughs> And so one day I decided, well, I'm never going to eat lobster. Lobster's pretty good. Yeah, not interested. <laughs> what a weird and specific position to take. Well, it's because it became it's, it's because it became the shorthand way of saying, look at how interested I am in status and class. And so, of course, I reject it. You know why that's happened more than anything, though, I think, is the aesthetics of lobsters. I think because they're fun to draw. <laughs> Or just like they look like they look interesting and that's why they're so. used as shorthand, I think, is because the lobster is an aesthetically interesting creature. I think it's also partly because they're relatively expensive. Yeah, relatively. I've had fairly cheap lobster. Hmm. I mean, David Foster Wallace invited us to consider the lobster in his essay Consider the Lobster, and that's essentially what we're doing right now. Why did you give it such a bafflingly obscure title 
I mean, I, lobster. I don't know what it wants me to do. <laughs> How am I supposed to pick up on such a subtle signal? Yeah. David Foster's Lager Wallace. Uh, okay, so so in this episode, they play some softball. Yes. This is the softball episode. Yes. About softball. Homer makes his own bat. Yes. And that's nice. Uh, again, there's this ongoing thing in this season, for some reason, of Homer being a craftsman. Mm-hmm. A guy who crafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. It's fine. It's a good episode. Yes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, we're both really tired and hungover. <laughs> it's making yeah. recording a podcast difficult. It's making riffing very difficult. But it's okay, because we can just, you know, keep saying things. This is uh, one of those weird episodes that happens, not only in The Simpsons, but in, like, every show ever. Mm. Where suddenly, like, a really minor thing is, like, massive and huge and, like, all anyone can think about. Baseball? Softball. Yeah. Softball. Suddenly, like, everyone in the town is obsessed with softball. They're all going oh. to all the games. I just thought of something from Bart the Lover that I didn't say that I wanted to. Sure. Bart the Lover exists in a weird, inconsistent season. Okay. Because there are some external shots that we see of, like, the um, Santa's Little Helper freezing and there is piles of snow around him. Mm. But then on other days, there is no indication that it's winter. And in the classroom, they have Christmas decorations up on the wall, Mm. but there's no indication that it's actually Christmas time. I don't know when that episode is meant to exist, because I was thinking the other day, I want to know if there's a reason why nearly every TV show seems to be set in summer. TV shows only are only ever set, and keep in mind this comes from someone that watches no fucking TV. Yeah. But TV shows are only ever set in winter when the entire episode revolves around its inherent winteriness. Yeah, that's not a bad point, actually. Yeah, I'm sure you're wrong if we think about it a lot, but <laughs> but, of- but that's your standard position on everything I say. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, if, if it's snowing in the Simpsons episode, you know that the entire episode is going to re- revolve around Christmas or snow. Mm. Um, it's never, you know, it seems to be the default is always lovely, sunny, shiny days. Um, but in, yeah, in Bart the Lover, there were a few instances of it appeared to be winter, but it was never relied on, but also perhaps it wasn't winter. Mm. I, just, I, I just find that interesting. I mean, at this point, our theory is about how the world of Springfield operates and how these universes sort of melt together and flip upon themselves and mirror each other. Mm. You know, there's some shit going on. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the episode was um, was caught in a rip in time and those events were jumping between various... I don't want to do a split <laughs> universe theory. I, I, can't, I can't even think through it at this stage. Wickham is very Edward G. Robinson in this episode. I Edward feel like G. Robinson. This is peak Edward G. Robinson Wickham, where, you know, it's kind of like, all right, sing. Oh, okay, that's that voice. All yeah. right, sweet, cool. Yeah. I thought you meant the guy that got stuck on the island, but that's Edward G. Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Gilligan Crusoe. <laughs> Gilligan Crusoe, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, okay, I think you're right. And also... Wiggum seems to do be doing, even though they're only playing softball, mm. he's doing a lot more kind of bossing around of Eddie and Lou than he normally does. Yeah. There are several instances in which he gives directions. Season three, Wiggum is more of an actual police chief than he is in later seasons. Yes, yeah. I would agree. Yeah, they definitely give him a brief flash of competency before ripping it all away from him, mm. leaving him a broken, fat, fat shell of a man. Yes. Yeah. I thought you were going to say fat fetish then. But no, fat shell of a man. I feel like that's a fairly common thing with The Simpsons where... What, fat fetish? Yeah, but also the early (laughs) seasons giving like characters more competency than the later seasons do. Yeah, there's been an interesting um, uh, regression into um, hopelessness. Yeah. (laughs) Sure, that's the phrase I'll use. (laughs) I mean, that's just our lives, isn't it? Just regression into hopelessness. Sentences are so difficult today. (laughs) 
So this is the, uh, people love this episode. This is a big episode. We've actually already recorded an episode about this episode. Yes. That will air next week. Yes. We're doing an Eat My Shorts on the the real life history of the players. With a special guest who you'll have to uh, tune in to find out. It's not Ken Griffey Jr. though. No. 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 Um, I enjoy that Homer at the Bat uh, features two instances of the use of the word wallop. Wallop. Yes. Wallop is a good word. Uh, one Got by Burns. Nice heft to it. One by Burns and one by Apu. Okay. Yeah. Such a mighty wallop. Such a mighty wallop. Yes. So we get the nine ringers in this episode. The nine baseball stars. Sure. And I think what they do with these guys is really fun. They each get like distinctive personalities and misfortunes and all this shit going on. Yeah. But the episode's very economic. Like uh, each of them sort of plays like a weird like alternate version of themselves. Mm. And to basically introduce nine new characters in one 20-minute episode mm. and each make them feel distinctive is pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty good effort by the writing yeah. team. It's almost like this was written by a team of award-winning writers who, you know, went on to create the most uh, uh, profoundly influential show of the 90s. Did this episode win any awards? I don't know. All right. Sorry, I I was taking some of your key words and assuming that there was some research behind them. Let's not assume that either of us have looked into anything. Oh, yeah. One thing I was thinking of here is that Mr. Burns and uh, the other power plant owner who was played by John Lovers previously and is now just some guy. No, just some schlub. They make a $1 million bet on the outcome of this game. Sure. Now, to get these nine players and give them all jobs within the power plant and to draw them away from the major leagues... And then to train them, you know, the amount of work and effort that everyone's putting in, probably the work that they're not doing in lieu of training. Sure. Mr. Burns is surely spending more than $1 million. That's a really interesting point. Because doesn't one of the players say that he's getting $50,000 for the game? So you've got, if you do that for all nine of them, that's quite a lot of money. Hmm. And then, yeah, you're right, all the flow-on things like loss of productivity involved in training and stuff like that. Hiring the hypnotist. Hiring the hypnotist. Yeah. Hypnotist is an odd character. He is an odd character. There's a lot of weird jokes with that guy that I enjoy. I cannot... Like, I'm I'm very happy to go along with all the misfortunes that happen to all the players. Hmm. I'm not so sure about Clemens and the Hypnotist, though. Because it's just... Well, what, the Hypnotist, for some reason, just did this one dickish thing <laughs> in another... Two, two, two fucking boycott the services of someone that has paid for him to come. It's like, it doesn't sit with me. If there was the um, a, a tiny scene with the hypnotist accepting money from the opposition power plant owner, maybe I could get on board with that story. But it's not. It comes out of nowhere. Do you think maybe this hypnotist is just really coming to terms with his own power in this episode? He's realising the extent of what he can do. He ruins one man. And then... He, you know, convinces Burns he did a good job. He's just playing around. He's uh, realizing the full extent of what he can do. Maybe. I think there's, you know... Possibly. Maybe he's you... in league with some certain dark forces. I was about to say, cool. are you suggesting that this is a, uh, a proxy of one Dr. Colossus? I don't think it's the only one in this episode, frankly. What? I, hang on, there are mul- there are multiple Colossus proxies in this episode? I think there's some shit going on. Who? Who? Spill your theory. Okay, let's oh. let's dig through the, the eight misfortunes. Some of them we can attribute to other things. There's at least one or two of them, though, sure. I think. Sure, 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 sure. So we got one guy who gets arrested. All right. You know, he's going down for crimes other people have committed. Who can say who has committed these crimes? Mm. You know, maybe someone who will get arrested in a later season is behind some of them. Sure. Radiation poisoning, uh, you know, that's part of working at a power plant, but also, you know, maybe there's somebody who has like a weird green tinge to their skin who's, you know, running a bit of a game in Springfield. Because the interesting thing about that is that, yeah, this guy gets radiation poisoning after a couple of days, but we know that the other people at the power plant have been working there for years in the same job, and they're doing just fine. Yeah, maybe if there was some sort of a radioactive man in the town, and I'm not talking about radioactive man... You're not talking in the about town. you're not talking about the titular radioactive man. No, nor the eponymous radioactive man. Uh, yes, <laughs> or the nope. I can't think of any other synonyms. Yeah. Just just those two. That's unfortunate. We've got uh, the gigantism that affects Ken Griffey Jr., which of course comes from his brain and nerve tonic, which is a very unusual product. Very unusual. to still exist within the town. Uh, 
you know, for it to be marketable, you know, there would need to be other people in the town who are maybe buying it in bulk to use it for something who can say what. Uh, one guy is too busy helping remove things from a house that is on fire. Mm-hmm. We never find out, of course, who lit this fire. Who can say it could be anyone. I mean, I think I'm starting to figure out who it might be. Uh, one guy is too defensive of Pitt the Elder, so he just deserves that, whatever, that one's fine. Sure. Uh, one guy is sucked into the liminal space that exists in between dimensions, it's called the Springfield Mystery Spot, but we can recognise it, obviously, as that limbo space that we saw in Bartman Meets Radioactive Man. Yes. It is where the universes fold in on each other, and obviously he is lured in there by a man who must be an associate, at least, of Dr. Colossus. Absolutely. Uh... Oh, I forgot to check if I got any Tinder matches. Nope. Oh. Just an invitation to go go karting. Ah, uh, what else have we got here? Go go karting. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, sideburn related mishap, of course, is a another thing. Uh, I don't know who's been telling Mister Burns what sideburns are, but obviously he's being fed false information, false news. Yeah, info wars. And then we've got the chicken man, who you know, Clemens. There's, there's a bit of a link there. There's a. <laughs> So Dr. Colossus, uh, you know, he's got that green tinge to his skin. He's, he's really pulling the strings in this team, isn't he? We can imagine there's some sort of radiation issue happening, and we know that this is a war between two separate radiation power plants. Mm. Is it possible that Dr. Colossus was born of the radiation of the Shelbyville plant? Born of the radiation of the Shelbyville plant? As Maybe in- after being locked in the Monroe box. You, to, you know, keep deepening this theory so that people need to go and listen to our past episodes to have any idea what we're talking about. Do you think that, well, ultimately I want this podcast to become an entangled web of in-jokes, but, uh, you know, like every podcast. But do you think that maybe Colossus is trying to... Okay, hang on, let me get this straight. Mm. Colossus's parents yes. worked at the Shelbyville power plant. Sure. They got low-level radiation poisoning, which in Dr. Colossus came through as a series of superpowers. Sure. And due to the Shelbyville-Springfield rivalry, Mm. he wants to destroy Springfield and has the superpowers to do so. Sure. Are you expanding the Colossus theory out to that extent? Am I understanding you you correctly? Is that where we're going with this? At this point, these are all possibilities. We know that Dr. Colossus is behind the scenes influencing events. I think all all of of this is... All of the events. All of it, yeah. I definitely think we need to consider him as a key instigator in the eight misfortunes that happened in this episode. What is he, some sort of instigator? (laughs) Very good. Thank you. There are two lines in this episode that I think have uh, seeped into my core life philosophies in ways that I maybe didn't fully appreciate until rewatching it. There's There's one one line on my TV of... Dead pixels, which has also seeped into my subconscious. That's true, there is. No matter how good you are at something, there's always someone a million times better than you. Homer says to Bart. Sure. Bart takes a lesson there as, you know, you're never going to win, don't try. Mm. Which is a lesson that keeps repeating on The Simpsons. Mm. And always rings sincere. It, it, it really does, doesn't yeah. it? Um, and I'm trying to remember if that was a particular... I mean, I guess it is a kind of late 80s, early 90s... Uh, counterculture vibe sort of, yeah, yeah a very Gen X vibe of, yeah. of, of don't bother yep and then later Mr. and then Burns... of course there's the, sorry there's, there's the most heartbreaking iteration of that sentiment which is when Marge says set your goals so low that no one cares if you achieve yep. them if anyone wants any butter is under my face yeah yep. well that's a great tag yes it is and also a good philosophy to live by <laughs> and then later on Mr. Burns says I want you to remember some inspiring things someone else might have told you at some point in your life good that's a fucking banger of a line. It I a, love that. It is a great line. I, it, it is wonderfully non-committal to the idea of mm. uh, uh, being inspirational. Indeed, it is. Or inspiring, probably inspiring more than being inspirational. Sure. Sorry, I think they're different things. Do you know that nauseous and is like when everyone says I feel nauseous, that's technically not a correct use of that word. Ooh. Does nauseous refer specifically to feelings you have at sea? No. Nautical oh, nauseous. That'd, that'd be interesting. I believe if you feel ill, say if you remembered, I don't know, some horrible fucking marinated mushrooms you had last night. Yeah, that's, sure. That that smelled like they'd been regurgitated by a pensioner. That kind of <laughs> that kind of feeling. Apparently I, in that situation, I should say, 
I feel nauseated. Okay. And if I am, if I feel nauseous, that means I have the capacity to make other people feel sick. Oh, really? I have the capacity to make other people feel nauseated with okay. my nauseousness. I think. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I never correct people on that, but I pick that up somewhere along the line and it's always in the back of my head. Language is horrifying. It's a pretty horrifying set of affairs, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. always remember that you use fewer if it's something you can count by number, and you use less if it's something you can express as an amount. That's good. That's uh, this lesser, this uh, podcast fucking grammar lesson. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I used to, um, <laughs> I used to correct people all the time on, on less versus fewer, but now I'm doing it heaps fewer often. Knock it out of the park. Thwack. Thwack. Wallop. Do you know how difficult it was to bend my brain into using the intentionally incorrect <laughs> word to make that shitty joke? Like yeah, it? you really fucked it as well. Did I? Fuck. <laughs> well, it was a uh, a situation where like uh, there was <laughs> when... no room for the confusion. Yeah. It's okay though. It's good. That's Everything's annoying. good. Something I never noticed about this episode that is wild and weird it's right at the end, you know, Homer gets the winning run when he gets hit in the head. Yeah. Did you notice the scoreboard before that happened? No. The score was 43 to 43. Oh. That's the most unlikely of scores in a game of softball. That's ridiculous. Yeah, right. A typical score is like 5-1. Wow. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Or maybe it's, maybe it's scoring higher in like a... You know, amateur leagues, I don't know, but... but, but basically, like, 43-43 is not a typical score for a game of based or soft ball. Yeah. Yeah, that's really weird. It is weird. I find that weird. I didn't know that. But even if I had noticed that, I wouldn't know, because I, I don't have any context for baseball yeah. or softball scoring, but... Unless I'm somehow completely wrong about that, in which case, uh, listeners, write in, let us know... Uh, Al Jean, if you want to dispute this, please let us know. Uh, Danny DeVito, if you're out there, please write in. DeVitz. Yeah, post in the key of Springfield at gmail.com. I was thinking about the DeVitz. Were you? Should we make it a mission before the end of this calendar year to get hashtag retweets by DeVitz? Retweets by DeVitz. <laughs> and secure... At least one retweet. I'm assuming Danny DeVito's on Twitter. I don't actually know that. I've he never is, checked. yes. Yeah, I think Pods in the Key of Springfield should get retweets by DeVito. I don't think he tweets very often, but I still think that might be achievable. What are you what looking at What is an average baseball score? Uh, should I technically search softball? Uh, I think it'd be fine. Average game was 8.33 runs per, per game. game. Runs, Cadbury. They're called runs. Sure. Don't know what that's a reference to. Um... Uh, uh, what's the movie with fucking uh, Richie Rich? Okay. What is an average scoreball score? Is what I've just typed. <laughs> I'm Nick and I'm an idiot. Oh, all right. Let's go to the ncaa.com. Yep, sure. It's the end of the episode. We can afford to do a little riff here. Scores. Are these games finished? I don't know. Oh, it's just. Oh, this is horrible. What a website. Oh, I don't know. High school softball scores. I don't know if I want it in my search history that I've been looking up high school softball. Softball. Scoring runs. <laughs> Sorry, this is <laughs> this is completely not necessary. But, I mean, so far... It's alright, man. You're making it work. Nothing of my things have been necessary. Uh, no, the Wikipedia article for you're, softball. You're just on the Wikipedia page for softball? That's not going to have the answer. No, it's not going to have the answer. Oh, it's got a list of the equipment bat, ball, glove, uniform. Ding, bat, dog, <laughs> ball. <laughs> Is uniform really part of the equipment required to play the game? Uh, you can play softball in t shirt and shorts that aren't necessarily a uniform. I mean, theoretically, yes, but would they allow it? Would they allow it? Would they say, I'll allow it. There's nothing in the rule books that says a dog can't play softball in a t-shirt and shorts. Did you write a... Obviously, you had Basketball Warthog. Yes, when I was uh, 18, I wrote a script called Basketball Warthog. Possibly the most momentous thing that you've published. I mean, I certainly can't think of any anecdotes from your previous years of of things that would have been more important than that. But... 
Did you write a softball variant of, or a softball sequel to Basketball Warthog? You know, I kind of feel like I actually might have at some point. I remember I read Track and Field Ninja. Track and Field Ninja's good. Yeah, I had Basketball Warthog. I feel like there was something else. There was Law and Order Truancy Investigation Unit. That was something I wrote as well. Do you still have the, um, the huge... Warthog, the huge stuffed warthog that lived in your office for a while. I do actually, yes. I've yeah. been in my home now. Somebody gifted me a large warthog in com- to commemorate the writing of Basketball Warthog. Basketball warthog. I, I, I enjoyed that warthog. It was a long time where that was like the thing people knew me for. It was weird. Like people would come up to me at parties and say, "Hey, you're the Basketball Warthog guy." Yeah. What? Isn't it mad to look back on how big Live Journal was? Yeah. In our, in our social circles. Thank God I deleted it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Burnt it to the ground. Burned it to the ground. Yes. Alright. So these are good episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah, I... A TV show that I quite like. I was surprised, actually. I came into today's recording session thinking, oh God, I want to die, and also thinking that I would enjoy Homer at the Bat the most... I gotta say, I think I enjoyed Bart the Lover the most out I of this. I definitely enjoyed Bart the Lover out of this pairing. But again, part of that's the surprise, I think, because Homer yes. at the Bat is like one of those classic, we, like yeah, we we go into it know. knowing it's a big hitter. Yeah, Ooh, big hitter. Oh, it's the Daryl Strawberry of uh, season three. <laughs> no hustle either, Skip. Uh, and then Bart the Lover is like a sneaky one, where it's just like every good joke ever made is in this episode. Mm. Which. Speaking of every good joke ever made in this episode, that yeah. definitely didn't happen with this episode of Pods in the Key of Springfield. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, if you're going to review us, maybe wait till next week. <laughs> I hope everyone I, I hope everyone enjoyed episode 28 because we came out of that one like two very energetic bulls out of a gate. And today... Drink a lot of coffee beforehand. And today, boy howdy, have we not achieved a successful follow-up to that. <laughs> Anyway, hello to everyone that listened and got this far. Yo. If you want to contact us, you can. Yeah, there's ways. There are ways. Yeah, listen to the other episodes where we tell you the ways, because they're better episodes anyway. And if, you, if you're listening on a little app or on a little platform, there's probably a bunch of links at the bottom of the description. Just go honk some of those links until you find us. Honking is the traditional way of interacting with a link, yes. It is my preferred verb for most, <laughs> for, for most things, to be honest. Yeah, and so you and know, it's the only way to talk to a goose. <laughs> I said the only way. Um, yeah, all right, all right. Thanks, everyone. Wizzle wuzzle. Oh, I need Panadol so badly. <laughs> <laughs> that can be your new catchphrase. <laughs> oh, oh wait, fuck. Sorry. No, can we have a second round of that? I got to think of a line. Um, yeah, okay, I've got one. All right, wizzle wuzzle. Not once, not twice, but thrice. Alright, let's go. That was worth the second Let's ride. go eat an entire thing of Panadol. <laughs> yes, I think I will. And also one of those vertical burgers. <laughs> I think that's actually a pretty good description of an old school yo yo, to be honest. I think it encapsulates the shape quite nicely. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, cool. Because you are the resident wordsmith. I just like it as a turn of phrase vertical burger. Vertical burger? I'm going to get vert on this burg. Oh, that made us sound weird. <laughs> You're right, it did. <laughs> In Springfield. Uh, good Woodrow Wilson material. Woody. Woodrow. Um, I know nothing of Woodrow Wilson. I'm on his Wikipedia right now. He was a Democrat. He was 67 when he died. He, uh... It's a very stern look. He looks like he's just discovered that you've eaten all of his Werther's Originals and he's really pissed about it. Werther's Originals is a good reference. Werther's Originals. He's somebody special too. I was always very wary of those ads as a kid. The Werther's Originals ones. Because mm. I did not believe that old man's story about remembering the first time he ate candy and feeling like somebody special. Mm. Or was that uh, was that Whitman Sampler? I don't know. Either way, this ad pissed me off. I was very... Is Whitman's sampler a thing that's still available? I mean, it's weird because you're sampling it, but I don't feel like you can go and buy any of those things separately. No. They're only available in, at least in Australia, they're yeah. only available in the mixed box. But which the implication I, I of seem the... to, I seem to recall the mixed box being hot garbage. Like, I don't mm. recall liking anything in that box. Yeah, it wasn't the best. 
But to call it a sampler indicates that you have samples and then you go on to, you know, buy the products that you've just sampled. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm... Yes. <laughs> um, uh, it's like if you had a whole thing of, like, carpet samples, it's like, great, this is the one you want and this is the one we're going to buy. Oh, no, you can't buy the carpet. You can only buy the samples. You can only buy tiny, tiny boxes. Filled with tiny bits of carpet. Ladies and gentlemen, Talking Softball by Nick. Well, Mr. Burns had done it. The power plant had won it. With Roger Clements clucking all the while. D7? I think that's D7. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Mike Scourge's tragic illness made us smile. While Wade Bloggs laid unconscious, F diminished slash G sharp. Uh, one of these? On the barroom tile. We're talking softball. From May to San Diego, talking softball. Mattingly and Canseco, and Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaws. Steve Saxon is running with the law. We're talking Homer, Ozzy and the Straw. In Springfield. <laughs>